RadioInfluence.com. Oh, yeah. Got a big one today. Now, if you follow the NFL, if you watch the NFL, if you haven't watched the NFL, I don't know what you're doing listening to me on this podcast. And if you haven't watched the NFL, well, uh, what? NFL on Fox. I love their production. I love their games on Fox. I love the halftime shows. I love Kurt Menefee as the host. And of course, the Terry and the Michael Strahan, Jimmy Johnson for years, uh, Terry Bradshaw, uh, you know, Jay Glazier, breaking news, the pregame, the postgame. NFL on Fox is just the best. And Kurt Menefee, the great host, the quarterback of that team on air, is my guest here on The Rock Stops Here. He made his trip to Tampa Bay to check out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He makes his rounds uh, for the preseason, during training camps, and he was great. Great. He is a very professional, uh, just just a nice man, a good man. Uh, Just like he looks like on TV, he comes across the same way. The same way, once again, as I'm doing these rock stops here and those that have made it, whether it's the NHL, NBA, NFL, MLB, broadcasting, player, coach, when you've been at the top and if you've been at the top for a long time, 99% they're good people. And here's another one. So without further ado, how did he get to NFL on Fox? How did he get to his gig? What was his training? What was his preparation? And uh, maybe a little bit of advice. Without further ado, Fox, the man, Kurt Menefee. All right, I am with the great Kurt Menefee, Fox Sports, so successful. Just it's an honor and a pleasure. How are you doing? All right, Rock, good to meet you. Uh, football, you've been covering football for a long time and the start of a new season. Does it get you still kind of juiced up and amped up, Kurt? Yeah, absolutely. Without question. You know, like, first of all, I'm a football fan and I think that's where it comes from. You know, so this time of year when you're a football fan, you start creeping around like the end of July, after the 4th of July, really, you start going, okay, it's almost football season. You get to August 1st, it's like, it's time to roll. And then the next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. And you're like, what the heck happened? Where did it go? But I I get excited this time of year. Uh, I visit as many teams as I possibly can during training camp. Um, So I'm here visiting the Bucks uh, as this stop here as I begin the East Coast journey. And so it's always a great time of year. Now, what you do and all the exposure on Fox and on Sundays and being with that gang, I mean, is it still, do you still, do you still get as excited as when you first started? Oh, yeah. I I think I'm a little bit more controlled than when I first started. You know, just, I think maturity helps with that. Um, But certainly still as excited. I think part of it is, is I tell people, and I mean it, we are genuinely friends. You know, myself, Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long, Michael Strahan, Jimmy Johnson, Jay Glazer. You know, we've all known each other. I mean, Jay Glazer was best man at my wedding. Michael Strahan's ex-wife tried to set me up with her sister 25 years ago. Like, you know, we, we have known each other before we got on this football set. 
And now by being there on Sundays, we spend time in the off-season together. We do a boys' trip every year. Uh, we were in Vegas this year for it. But we've done it in the Florida Keys, down at Jimmy Johnson's place in Montana, how he has a place there. Um, and just hang out together. Our family, we're all friends. And so I think that comes across when people see it on Sunday. So it's an exciting day to get to watch football with your friends on a Sunday afternoon. We do the same thing that everybody else is doing at home, except uh, no swear words and no adult beverages, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, though, that can that comes across. You know what I mean? When you got the camaraderie and when it's real, people can notice whether or not it's fake or not. Now, for you, I know you did the local TV sports anchor climbing the ladder. What was, what was your goal? What was your goal when you first got in? Did you just want to be on air? Well, how about it? Yeah, I did it the old-fashioned way. I, I worked in local television stations starting out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I was 19 years old. Um, and so then the journey took me from Cedar Rapids to Madison, Wisconsin, Jacksonville, Florida, Washington, D.C., Dallas, Texas, New York, uh, and then uh, the Fox Network was where I started working with the local Fox station in New York City, Fox 5. And uh, really, that's where the journey to the network got going because I started instead of doing you know the local news where you do the sports on the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news depending on where you live um then started doing sidelines for Fox then I started doing play-by-play and went to NFL Europe for a year or actually went to NFL Europe for 10 years but the first year I did NFL Europe they brought me back a second year and that following fall I did because it was a summer league uh that following fall I did NFL games and that was the first time I'd done NFL games so from that point on the journey just 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 kind of grew. And I don't know, like when I started, I had no idea that this is what I wanted to do. When I started, I told you I was on the air when I was 19. I thought I wanted to be a producer. <laughs> and this was just a, a way of kind of learning about, you know, the business. And someone encouraged me, John Campbell, who I still keep in touch with this day. He's older gentleman now, retired. But, you know, just took this kid and was like, hey, let me try and help you. And, and you know, kind of took me under his wing. And that was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I went to college. Uh, and it just kind of blossomed from there. You know, it, it, I, I I guess I took to it. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of worked out for me. You know, it's funny. A lot of times it's so different play-by-play mm-hmm. compared to being an anchor, a reporter. I've mm-hmm. tried play-by-play. It's it's hard. It's not my thing. That's amazing that you were able to do both. And some guys, when they do play-by-play, they're like, that's what I really yeah. always want to do. Yeah. Was that your situation or, or you were open to just whoever was going to go? It, it kind of... <laughs> Let's say it kind of went back and forth. Uh, I had never thought about doing play-by-play until I was in New York. I, I didn't do it in college. I didn't do it when I was younger. You know, when I was in New York, I went to New York when I was 29. So I guess I was still younger. Now that you get older, 29 is oh, young. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, I did it. But after a couple of years, that's when Fox was uh, like, have you ever done play-by-play? And I said, no. So they sent me over to NFL Europe, which was a training ground uh, at that time. Fox did the broadcast rights. And we know about all the players that came out of there. But every analyst at that time at Fox had been in NFL Europe. Um, and a lot of guys, you mean, hey, look at Kevin Harlan was there. Uh, Ian Eagle was there. I was there. And then from an analyst standpoint, Troy Aikman was there. Um, Daryl Johnston. A lot of guys learned their craft there. And, you know, as, as play-by-play guys, particularly for football. So I went over there, and that was in 1997. So I did one game with the Amsterdam Admirals and the um, Rhine Fire. And I did it with Brian Baldinger. He and I did it. And the next year they sent us back and we did two games and then they made us an NFL team. And that following fall, we did seven games in 98 and then a full 16 game schedule in 99. So I did that. And at that point, once I started doing that, I was still doing the local thing in New York as the the anchor on the Fox 5 newscast. And um, the juice of doing a live game was something I had never experienced before. And it was so much fun. 
I mean, especially doing NFL games. I mean, you know, it's the pinnacle of, of, of the sport as a play-by-play guy. So I'm like, okay, I think this is what I want to do full-time. And so in 2004, I decided to leave being a local sportscaster to pursue uh, the avenue of doing play-by-play full-time because I knew I needed more reps and I needed to do something besides football. And I said, well, maybe I certainly can't do the NBA and do the news at night because it's just too many games, too much road uh, travel and that kind of thing, or baseball or something else. And so I did some minor league baseball, some WNBA at the time, um, and then the Fox opportunities just kept going and kept going. That was 04. I did that for two years, and then in 06, the studio opportunity came along at Fox. They knew that I obviously was a studio guy. They brought me in, along with a lot of other people, to audition, and then that progressed, and I wound up getting the gig. So it, it kind of went back and forth where I was a studio guy, then wanted to be a play-by-play guy. Then once the studio opportunity came for me, I mean, it was a no-brainer for me to take the job. Interesting. All right, just two more here. Um, can you tell us maybe one story or what it's like on an NFL Sunday, on NFL on Fox, in the studio with those guys? Are you all watching together? Are you busting balls and busting chops? What is it like, really? Yeah, I, I said it earlier. We're doing the same thing you're doing without the adult beverages, you know? I mean, so we do our pregame show because we're on the West Coast in Los Angeles. We're on the air at 9 a.m. Um, we get in at 5.30 in the morning. Our show's over at 10. We're there for the rest of the day, the halftime shows and highlights and that kind of thing. But starting at 10 o'clock, we watch every game. We've got a big wall of monitors where we can see every game broadcast on Fox and CBS um, all day long. And we just sit there and watch games together. I mean, we do. And we talk about it and... You know, we'll be like, hey, do you see this play? Do you see this play? And it's funny, you, you kind of learn after a while to watch nine games at once <laughs> and kind of see everything that's going on. Uh, and, it, you know, when the season comes back, it takes a week or two to get back in that rhythm, but you do it. And you just watch the game with the guys. And you just, again, talk about it, have fun. And then we have to break it up. And it's halftime of the Minnesota Green Bay game. Yeah. So we have to do that live. And then right after that, halftime of the Tampa Bay Atlanta game. We have to do that live. All our halftime shows are live and in the moment. So we just rotate from one to the other to the other to the other. And I always tell people they want to come out and see the pregame show. You really should watch the halftime performances because sometimes it is, hey, we got 20 seconds between the end of one halftime and the start of another. And you got to start it fresh because that audience hasn't seen the halftime show. So they don't know the highlight that you've done already or they don't know the stories that you're going to talk about. And we cater it specifically to the game that we're doing as well. So the comment will be about Atlanta, Tampa Bay and not necessarily about Green Bay, Minnesota, if that's the game you're watching. Uh, and then we stay through the end of the 1 o'clock games, sometimes do a little show in between, you know, depending on what time the game's in, getting everybody ready for the 4 o'clock games or 425, depending on the week it is. Uh, and then we stay for the post game, And we have to be on the air until 8 o'clock Eastern time at night, uh, every Sunday, and we fill it till there. So it's a 12-hour day, but uh, it's a 12-hour day of, of fun and, and foolishness. That is beautiful. All right, here's my last one. I asked all of my guests, what advice do you have? What advice do you have for someone young that is getting into this business? What's your advice? Do anything. I think that's the, the key. If you Two pieces of advice. Do anything and work your ass off doing anything. You know, I, I think so many people look at the end game. And for me, it was never about that. I mean, I told you, I started out thinking I wanted to be a producer. And someone said, put your voice down on tape. Why don't you try this? Uh, I stayed late at night uh, when I interned at CNN, the first gig I ever had in this business, just to learn how to edit. I would just watch guys. And I taught myself with help from people, but how to edit. And so you just, you know, you do anything. I carried gear 
when I first started out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I pulled cable. I wound up getting on air. And by doing that, it's like, have you ever done sidelines? No. I did that for Fox. Have you ever done play-by-play? No. I did that for Fox. One opportunity will lead to another as long as you work hard and show people that you're not only willing to do anything, but when you do it, you're going to succeed at it. You're going to bust your ass at it. And even if you fail, you're going to fail trying because people will put their arms around you. They'll embrace you. They'll say, okay, look, you didn't know how to do this, but I'm going to show you how to do this because you work hard. And I think as long as you put those two together, then the sky's the limit. You are the man, Kurt. Thanks for doing the rock stops here and uh, continued success. Thank you very much. My pleasure. You know what blew me away? The one part of that interview was when he said, you know, yeah, I did some play-by-play I had never done high school or college games or anything like that. And, you know, I was, I, I was asked, you know, have you ever done play-by-play? Want to do play-by-play? Boom. And he's doing like NFL Europe. You know, oh my God. Like a lot of these uh, guys, uh, ladies that are at such a high level, they didn't spend a long time. You know, they, they, they were kind of ahead of the game. He certainly was, but that's amazing. And, you know, we really didn't have uh, too much time to get into it a little bit deeper, but he's done, uh, he's done soccer coverage uh, on Fox hosting there, UFC, uh, MMA, UFC on Fox. He did the U.S. Open Championship. He's done boxing play-by-play. He's just a really good studio guy. And just, you know, he's just, it's seamless. It's like you don't even really notice him, you know? It's not about him. It's about the big name, like the Terry Bradshaw and throw it over to Strahan and what is Howie think and let them do their thing. And he's just really, really good. He's just really good, very professional, very easy, easy to listen to. And it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. And once again, I walked away from that interview like he is exactly like he comes across on the screen. I figured that he was a good guy, not a big ego. And he even mentioned it, I think. Didn't he in there where, you know, ego ego will get to you. Oh, no. You know what? I just did another podcast with somebody else that is very successful in broadcasting. That's what it was. That was just uh, yesterday. And he was mentioning ego. Ego sometimes. If you think that you're all that, you're on TV or you're, you know, you're on a, a big platform and you start thinking that you're all, you're all that, 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 that will take you down. So anyway, Kurt Menefee. Thank you. Continue kicking ass. You're the man. And I love, I love just, it's just so comfortable during the football season, uh, pregame or especially in between like halftime and how you guys go around the highlights, but you also focus on that game. That was interesting where he mentioned, you know, it's a 12 hour day, but he's like, it's great. It's just like he's hanging around without the alcohol, without the booze. They're just busting each other. They're watching games. They're watching football. They're talking about it. They're breaking it down. They're, they're busting on each other. I mean, it's great. And it comes across. It's like, you know, the TNT with um, Charles Barkley and Shaq and, and, and those guys, Kenny, they, you know, it comes across, you know, and it's great. It, it, it's really interesting how, how, they, how they do it on Sundays. Remember, that's in Los Angeles. So when they're coming on pregame for these one o'clock games, Eastern time, it's in the morning that they're doing their thing and then they stay all the way. So I hope they just all can continue to keep going, man. All of them. I love it. And it's just, there's something about football season. It really is. Now I got, now I got to admit these preseason games, 
you know, in 2020, if you remember in the, in the, in the, the pandemic, there was, there were no preseason games and I don't think it affected the play that much. Now, NFL coaches will tell you differently. You know, you, you they didn't have preseason games, mostly really. They know who they're going to start. They know who's going to be number two on the depth chart. It's a, it's a way for them to evaluate under the big lights for these guys that are on the bubble. That's what it really is. Maybe you get the rust off a little bit and call them plays and things like that. But I'll never forget going back a couple of years with the Bucks and when Dirk Cutter was a head coach uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a really good guy. Um, but it did not work out and it was Jameis and the team was not that good. And the whole, you know, didn't work out, but he was a long time offensive coordinator and a long time play caller. And I remember it was right before the first preseason game. And I'll never forget it. We were outside on the field and talking about, you know, asking him, you know, what about this? And for the first preseason game, what do you want to see and how long are the starters going to go? And, well, you know, who's going to be, how long is the number two guy going to go? And when's he going to go in? All that type of thing for quarterback. And I remember, I figured, what the heck? And I said, you know what, Dirk, even for you, it's been a whole all, a whole off season. I mean, is it even good for you to just, you know, get the rust off and knock it off, uh, you know, for calling plays, you know? And, you know, and he looked at me and he goes, I've been calling plays for 35 years. I think I, 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 I know what I'm doing. And I kind of laughed. I was like, whoa, whoa, Dirk. Yeah, I was just saying maybe the first time for the year, you know, you haven't called since the last game <laughs> the year before. And then the whole thing turned around where he gave up the play calling duties. He was trying everything to keep his gig, but it just didn't work out. And of course, he didn't have the GOAT. That's another thing, man. The whole Tom Brady story. Now, I, I've learned with these podcasts since it's only once a week. It's still hard for me to get used to. I have things that I've learned that I got to say to get off my chest. I'm so used to, you know, 30 some years daily, daily content, radio and TV daily, that it's just hard for me to just, you know, hold on for a week. And the news, you know, what I talk about now, by the time this plays for you guys here and all of this week, it's old news. How, how, you know, 24 hours is really the news cycle maybe 48 hours at most. It's usually about 24 hours and then there's new news or it's outdated and you've moved on. So that's why I'm not going to get too deep into the Tom Brady situation. But once again, oh my God, you know, with a name as big as Tom Brady, when he takes a at least 10 day absence, pre-planned absence during the preseason, during training camp for a guy that is so structured that set up uh, meetings at uh, the high school. Wasn't it Carol Wood day? Was that the, the remember the prep high school? And uh, you know, they had helicopters flying overneath and he, you know, he had all these guys coming at seven o'clock in the morning to work out. He works out like crazy with receivers. You know, it's very highly uncharacteristic of Tom Brady to do this, but it just blows me away. You know, I was posting last week when it all came down and, you know, one guy's like, well, you know, Tom, Br I mean, uh, Todd Bowles, head coach said that it uh, was pre-planned. Like he's telling me on like Facebook, like, uh, yeah, you know, I was there when Todd Bowles was doing his news conference. 
I'm there every day for training camp practices. I am in the building. I'm talking to employees that work in the building. I'm talking to coaches and players. And these, you know, fans are telling me, oh, it's definitely family. Oh, it's the wife. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And like, they're adamant. Like, where does this confidence from fans come from? I'm there. And I still don't know everything, but I know more than you know. And there's not, you just let them go. And when I post sometimes on social media and I just let see people, I let them go back and forth. I let them call me out. I let them go crazy. Once in a while, there's some things that do get to me and it bothers me. And, it, and then I, I, why? My wife says, why? Why? It's all, it's all. And there's trolls and things like that. It just, it just, it just amazes me. The confidence of fans that think that they know, you know, unbelievable. But it really, I'll tell you what, man, there was for the first joint practice between the Miami Dolphins with Tua and Tyreek Hill. Oh my God, man. I've never seen, I, I don't know who to compare him to. The stop, the start, the, the juke step, the speed, he turned, he is so quick. It, it, you know, watching him on the field, I'm right down there on the field. He's not far away. I'm seeing the drill against a defensive back. I think it was Carlton Davis the first day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just, it's, how do you cover him? How does anyone cover him? You have no idea until you get down on field level. See, when I first got in this business and the first couple of years when I was able to uh, cover the Giants and the New York Jets, I'm from the New Jersey area. I was in the media up there. Um, I was just blown away. We used to be allowed to be on the field, you know, during games. It used to be an entire second half. And then it used to be, okay, uh, the fourth quarter on. And then uh, two minutes to go in the game, even when I came down here. And then right after the game, and then now it's at a point I can't, unless you're on a, a, a platform that broadcasts the games, you, you ain't getting on the field until it's all done and you've done your interviews. Any you go out there, nobody's around except the guys that are blowing off the, the dirt and blowing off, you know, cleaning the field. <laughs> Boy, it's changed as far as being able to, but it used to really blow me away when I would go down. You know, you can't get the perspective from being up in the stands until you go down on the sideline and see how fast, how hard they hit, it's incredible. It is incredible. And seeing Tyree Kill on the field, being down low for those joint practices, the, I don't know how anybody can cover him. It's incredible. And the other thing, too, is this is not lost on me. I do not take this for granted. I am very, very fortunate to have a credential, to be at training camp, and especially since what we all went through the last two years where everything was shut down, you weren't able to do anything. It was all zooms. This is the first time we're allowed. There's no buzzer, that beeper, that thing that we had to get every single day. Last year we were tested once a week. I was tested probably, I don't know, 45 times all the time uh, just to be able to be far away for like, you know, 
15 minutes of the beginning of practice and then into the media trailer, like, wow, how, how things have changed. And now to actually practice is done. You can either be at the media tent to get the head coach and they will bring out two or three starters, you know, for media to ask questions, or you can go walk on the field and go grab who you want and try to do something real quick. And it hasn't been lost on me. Even the days where it's, you know, it's a hundred degrees, man, it's 98 degrees. The humidity is so hot. You know, you just got to deal with, you have to have a mindset like, all right, it's going to be really, really hot. All right. I'm going to sweat my, this is all off. You know, this is how it is. Boom. Attack it. Don't be like, oh man, it's so hot. Oh, I can't take it. No, you have to have that mindset. Go ahead. Get me son. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Beam down on me, you know, and have that mindset. Boom. Okay. Sweating profusely is good for me. Try to take that mindset. You got to have that mindset. And I don't know how these guys do it, but when I walk up and down where the bleachers are, the fans are, then they've got a fence. We're allowed right on the sidelines. And especially this week when the Miami Dolphins were right on that sideline, I'm walking up and down the sideline. I would say five to 10 feet, uh, 15 feet max. The players are right there. They're so much bigger than they look too, man, from a distance. And I'm looking and I'm not, I'm like, look at these guys. These guys have made it to the NFL. You know how hard it is? Like Anthony Becht, who is a former NFL tight end. He is now a head coach with the St. Louis team in the XFL. Dwayne, the rock Johnson is uh, one of the uh, guys that's running that thing. The rock, you know, the movie star, the rock formerly. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? You know, that, that guy. And uh, I was talking to Anthony, but Anthony was there and he was just scouting. And like the big thing with the XFL is it's an, a land of opportunity. It's an opportunity for you guys. That's what Dwayne The Rock Johnson's been telling him. I, I sat down with uh, uh, Anthony and he'll be on an upcoming podcast. Just on what's, what's going on behind the scenes with the XFL. Why, why does he think this time, this spring league, this XFL is going to make it? It's a short one. I'm going to do a couple of double podcasts coming up because I got so many guests in the can and they're not long. I'm going to start bringing you a couple of uh, twofers coming up here in a little bit. But, uh, but you know, like these guys, I'm right next to them. They're young guys. They're big guys. I'm like, wow, just think of all the, you know, they made it to this level, this level. You, you know how good college football is with the big 10, obviously the sec, um, the, the big 12, I know the Pac-12 is a mess now, ACC. And like, even if those guys are pretty much stars, still doesn't guarantee they'll make it to this level, the NFL. And being out here and playing, it just, and I'm walking right there on the sidelines. And then after practice, especially since we have not been able to talk to players face-to-face in three years, and to be out there and grab them. And then you're just there and I'm soaking it in. And here it is. They've practiced hard. There's been trash talking uh, during practice. This was like last week. Now this week it's the Tennessee Titans and the Bucks and other NFL teams. If you got your favorite team, they're most likely this week. And maybe it's the next week. They're practicing against another team. They all, they, most of them know each other, you know, and they're like hanging out together and they're talking. And they're relaxed. They made it through another practice. They have family members. Sometimes there's little, little kids that are running around on the field. 
and then, and then, uh, like wives and girlfriends and moms and dads, and they're, they are able to come out and everybody's just kind of mingling and hanging. And the vibe is like, so good, so good. Like so appreciative of being able to be out on the field at this level. And then a couple of times last week after the joint practices and even after a single practice, uh, I can walk right in between on the two fields, like on the field, I was walking by and I notice, and it's funny, you see the guys with the numbers, like the guys that are really trying to make the team and are long shots. You know what I notice? They run extra sprints. They're doing it on their own. They're trying to show, even after a hundred degree, high humidity, incredibly sweltering practice with their pads on. I, I, I've seen it three times now in three different practices. They're running sprints. Uh, they run the length of this, uh, the width of the field, not, not a hundred yards, whatever it is from this sideline to that sideline and back. Not real fast, but they're all running. And every time I look, I'm looking at the names on the back. I'm like, there's no superstars that are doing this. These are guys that are trying to give it their all to show the coaches. Look, 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 look. Um, you know, you can't blame them. And I'm like, oh, those poor guys, man. Uh, you know, but it's so neat. Oh, I walked by the general manager of the Bucks, Jason Light. He was talking with one of the, either a coach or maybe it was somebody in the front office on the Dolphins side. And I'm walking right through, you see some of the equipment guys, they're bringing down these, these, uh, big masts that, that are up high where they have cameras that they, they have so many different cameras. Every inch of practice is videotaped, whether it's down low, handheld cameras up high. They even have the cameras that are on the building. You know, you're always being videotaped. You're always being watched. That's why ever since I started covering the NFL, the saying has always been the eye in the sky. Don't lie. I remember I had him on an earlier podcast. His name is Brad Culpepper. He's an attorney in town now and very, very successful. He played in the NFL, he played with the Bucks. He ended up with the Chicago Bears. He was a Florida he was a Florida Gator, but I think he grew up in Tallahassee, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, and I, and I said to him, what do you miss? What don't you miss about being in the NFL? And one of the things he said was he didn't miss the pressure of every day being filmed and watched, like every being scrutinized. He, that he didn't miss. He, he did not miss that. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I mean, just think about your day. Whatever you do, whether you work from home, whether you work in an office, whether you work outside, you work at a plant, uh, you work at a store, whatever you're doing, probably if you work at a store, you're being videotaped all the time. But can you imagine that every single day of your day, you're on camera, it's being recorded, every, every, every move you make, and then at the end of your day, there is someone or a boss or people that watch the tape of every move you've made all day. That's, that can get, that's pressure. That's annoying. Like, you know, you're being watched all the time. And I didn't think about that. 
So these, that, that's the deal, but it's just, it's, it hasn't been lost on me. And then when the out of town media comes and then the national media. Okay. So for the first day of joint practices, the dolphins and the bucks, it's, it's practice. We're talking about practice, practice over 100 media were credentialed because it was the bucks and Brady and the Miami dolphins. And you know how the Miami Dolphins got their hand slapped? Well, it was more than a hand slap for talking to Sean Payton, for talking to Tom Brady when Sean Payton was still a member of the Saints. Uh, Brady was still a member of the Buccaneers. The owner, Stephen Ross, was fined, what, $1.2 million? To him, that's nothing. But they lost a first-round draft pick. They lost a third-round draft pick. And so there was that. So the media attention with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is through the roof. And especially with Brady going AWOL now and the mystery and all that jazz and everything that's going on. So there was just so much attention. Like NFL Network uh, does their training camp stops where they go around and they got a whole production crew. They the lights and they make it look good, but it's hot. You know, you're out in the heat, man, and they still have lights on you. And uh so they have, you know, those that are on set and then they still have their reporters and they got this Ian Rappaport, the rap sheet. He's the breaking news guy. I have never, I didn't know he traveled out because usually uh, he's just in his home and he's constantly, he's like Schefter. Schefter doesn't even go to games. Adam Schefter, ESPN, hasn't gone to a game and I don't even know how long. He is just in the, in the, in the new breaking news business. So even rap sheet was there. Then Jeff Darlington from ESPN. He's a great guy. Everybody likes him. I was talking to his producer, Mark, who I really like. And uh, he always says hello to me. He's a great guy. Field producer. Great guy. And I said, everybody loves Jeff Darlington. I said, oh, the girl, the women that I've had on, they love Jeff. He goes, well, he's a good looking guy. I said, it's more than that, though. He's just because he's a regular guy. And I went over, hey, Jeff, what's up? He goes, hey, man, what's going on? What's shaking, man? Just like, just a really good guy. Doesn't take himself too serious. That's the biggest thing in our business. Again, some people, even in small, even in like local markets, some think that they are so important and they think that they are all that. And that is going to come back and bite you in the ass. And I've seen it happen over the time, but the majority of these national people that are that, that that are on big, you know, they're on NFL Network or you're on ESPN. They don't take themselves that serious. They're pretty good, you know. Stevens, the what was the former Carolina Panthers uh, wide receiver who said that the Brady and the Bucks weren't going to do anything in the playoffs. Remember that? Then they won the Super Bowl. He was here. I've seen him twice. He wears a hat. And uh, I don't know if uh, NFL Network's, his co-worker who covers the Buccaneers, she used to be at ESPN. She did a little thing on Instagram. And I don't know if she was kidding or not. I got to ask her. He was like saying, hey, his contract only calls for him being here till like six or something like that. We're going to be done or two o'clock, whatever it is. I, I wonder if he was serious. I, I, I got to ask her. I don't know. But anyway, it's just great to be back and it's great to have football season. It is. I, I got to be honest with you. Oh, and that's the thing. So the other night, last week, when there was the first preseason game, they had games on Thursday. And on NFL Network, they were carrying the Giants and the um, uh, New England Patriots. You know, Mac Jones and Demon Start, blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, my wife 
was with my daughter for dance class. And I don't know if they had something else going on. And I just kicked back. And normally I don't care about a first preseason game between the Patriots and the Giants. A lot of starters aren't even going to play. It's not the national broadcast. Like the broadcast was coming from the New England area. And I didn't care just to have it on in the background. I was chilling out. I was folding some laundry. I was doing laundry. And, you know, my dog was there. And I wasn't even I wasn't even drinking a beer or anything, man. I was just just having it on. It just it's football season, like just having it on in the background. I'm watching it, and I'm doing that, and I'm on my phone, I'm checking things out. Maybe I'm posting, responding to somebody, and then get up, get something to eat, and then, you know, do this and that. And it's just having it on in the background. I just I just love it. And, you know, the fall was always my favorite time of year when I lived in New Jersey or when I lived in the, the Northeast. And I, I just love it. I, I got to tell you, man, I just, I just really, 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 really love it. Um, what else did I want to see or to tell you about? Yeah, just the respect. That's another thing, too. It's not only players that have made it to the NFL. It's it's media, uh, national media, whether they're journalists, reporters. Now it's mostly websites that they work at, um, national radio guys. That's another thing, too. I've got a couple of guys saved. I've had them saved. I've just had this once a week. I've, I, I get these guests. I just haven't been able to use them. I've got two from NFL, uh, Sirius XM NFL radio. And I interviewed these guys on their careers. One played in the NFL as a quarterback and he's been, uh, has a show for a long time. The other one was a coach, an assistant coach. He was in the front office. He was in the scouting. He's been in the media for a long time. Very good. Very knowledgeable. And I got these guys a while ago and I ran into both of them at uh, training camp. And I'm like, look at you. Do you remember me? Go, I remember you. I'm like, really? Do you really? So I remember you. And then the next day we were walking. I saw one of them. I said, Hey, what do you think of the goat? And, uh, this was the day, this was the day earlier in the, this was early in the day when they made the announcement that Tom Brady was taking a leave of absence, but we didn't know early in that day, he had an excuse absence for practice. And he was telling me, he goes, my big thing is injury, injury and recovery at 45 years old. I said, what about the offensive line? Yeah, that's huge. I said, because the other day, man, even though that they weren't really tackling, you know, the Dolphins would have had several sacks on Brady. I think that's the big story. He's like, me too. And he goes, okay, we're stopping here. We're going up. And these two guys, they watch practice from the bleachers. They blend in with the fans and they sit up high. And that way he can, they can watch the whole field and they really study it, you know? But again, good guys, good guys. There's like, there's, there's a respect. Those that cut, it's like, um, when Jane Slater, who I really like, uh, from NFL network, 
uh, she was telling me that it's just like there's an NFL community of broadcasters and reporters that cover the NFL. Like it's kind of like a tight knit community. Everybody knows everybody. There was one guy that was there two days. He was asking some questions. He was a shorter guy. He had a hat on. I didn't realize it. And then it wasn't until later. I was like, Oh, that's who that is. That guy has got a humongous following. Holy crap. I didn't know that's who that was. So it's just like, it's really cool. It's really cool. It would be like in whatever, whatever field you're in, the ones that are at the top in your field, there's kind I bet you there's a good amount of respect among, among, amongst one another, you know? So it's really cool. I just, again, I I went to the uh, Joe Madden event, Joe Madden, the former major league baseball manager, I believe, I believe will be back in the game. I think he misses it too much. Uh, But when I went to Pennsylvania and if you didn't catch that, it's here, you know, go to radioinfluence.com and uh, or, or just Google Rock Riley. The rock stops here. Joe Madden. Boom, it'll pop up and you can listen to it. Uh, that re-energized me going to be to see him and his family and his friends and going to his hometown and being invited into his house and spending two days with him and my man Rick Vaughn. It just it re-energized me, man. It was great. And this little stretch here covering a team in the NFL that everybody either loves, hates, they can't stand Brady, but the interest is off the charts. I, I don't even know if there was this much interest to go around when the Bucks with Brad Johnson at quarterback and Joe Jaravicious and, of course, Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Keyshawn. There was interest then, but I don't even think it was, there was as much interest as there is now. And I was, I was there through all that. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. It's cool being here and I, I'm not lost on that. And I, I don't take it for granted. I really don't. And especially after what we all went through the last two or three years and things were closed and you couldn't do anything and the way it's back and it's back strong. It's just awesome, man. I, I thank you. Thank you, man upstairs. Thank you. 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 All righty. Uh, I'm not forgetting about baseball. I will still uh, here and there be still out covering baseball. And then before you know it, the lightning start. My daughter is back in school now. She's in eighth grade. My son, Hunter, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. He's 25 years old. My God. And uh, he's a graphic artist, uh, does computer graphics. and. He's a good, he's a good young man. So I, I mean, I'm very, very, very happy. So it's the little things. It really is the little things. You know, I saw something that was posted the other, just, well, I actually saw it today. It was something from a long time ago. And it was a gentleman that was very, very, very successful, successful in his business, had so much money and he was on his deathbed. And he said, he was just reflecting on his life and it really, now number one is when they say it's not about the money, you got to have money. It's nice. It's terrible when you're worrying about money. That ain't easy. So this stuff about, Oh, it doesn't matter. And having money. No, no, that's bullshit. You know, but if you, if you're able to pay your bills 
and you got some money socked away, you know, it, it really is a little things. And he was like, what's the difference now between a hundred dollar watch and a $10 watch? What's the difference between a $120,000 car and a, I think he said $30,000 car. Well, that's still pretty good. Um, if you have a maid, you don't have a maid driver, this and that, the material things come and go. It's about family, friends, enjoying the little things in life. You know, it really is, man. But who am I? Who the heck am I to be telling you? I have bad days. I have arguments with Emily and man, we, you know, this and that. And my daughter's driving me crazy. And, you know, man, I can't get a gig back in the thing. And blah, 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 this guy's dead, this guy's dead. So, I mean, who am I? Who am I to tell you? All I'm telling you is it's football season. <laughs> it's here. The fall is just around the corner. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. All right. Thank you to Kurt Menefee. Once again, a superstar on Fox and is so down to earth. Just like I figured. Who do we got next week? I got a library in my computer ready to spit out. Or who knows who I'm going to run into this week. So another edition of the Rockstop Share List. I really thank you guys that are, have been listening every single week. It's slowly growing. I'm doing it because I love it. I'm staying in the game. I like interviewing people that are successful. I like hearing their story. It's not so much about me. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right? And I'll talk to you next week on The Rock Stops Here. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>